I'm David Bank, and from Impact Alpha, this is an Agents of Impact podcast. I think it's incumbent upon us, people who are change makers for a living, uh, to figure out solutions to access and, and create uh, uh, solutions for these quietly bothered folks that meet them where they are in lives. Uh, we, we uplifting capital call them micro acts of courage. We want to turn these desires um, and, and these kind of big sweeping changes into micro acts of courage that people can access in a day. That's Toussaint Bailey, founder and CEO of Uplifting Capital in San Rafael, California. Uplifting Capital is opening up private market impact opportunities to a broader cast of investors. Let's jump right in to our conversation. Hi, Toussaint. Uh, really good to meet you, David. Likewise. Um, just tell us your story on the Uplifting Capital uh, tale. Yeah, so so story starts uh, really in 2020. Uh, and so I was running a, a, a decent sized wealth management firm, billion dollar plus wealth management firm at that time and was deeply affected by the killing of George Floyd, like a lot of people, by the subsequent uprisings, um, uh, took a sabbatical uh, from my from my role as CEO of that firm and led a series of conversations around race and racism throughout wealth management and at a few fintech companies. Um, and I had this experience of sort of unlocking um, fulfillment, actually, in, in a deeper level of personal meaning by uh, engaging with the impact I wanted to have on the world. I saw that effect uh, with the people who I was having conversations with. And at that point knew I needed to do something more than just help people create wealth. I needed to uh, help people who seemed uh, to be genuinely bothered by what they were seeing, seemed to genuinely want to make change. This includes advisors who I was working with, clients who I was working with, help them engage with that impact in a way that made sense. And really, we, we call them micro acts of courage, like turn these big uh, sort of macro problems into something that they could access through micro acts of courage. And so at that point, I started uh, down the road of, um, I, I'm here in the Bay Area um, and and sitting next to a lot of people who are in social venture. There's a lot going on in renewable energy, affordable housing, but those aren't asset classes or corners of investing that traditional wealth management or even smaller foundations are typically aware of. And so figuring out what that vehicle was uh, to translate these really actually attractive from a financial standpoint, impactful from an impact standpoint, yeah, investment opportunities into to translate those to something that made at, sense at a much more rapid the, pace now than they have uh, uh, over of the past have been more um, interested in sustainable investment. But this intersection of, of sustainable or impactful private investments hasn't really been scaled to this newer class of retail investors, uh, maybe too broad of a term, but but this new class of investors. And so we built uplifting capital as an investment experience. Uh, to really give access to impact investments in the private markets, to personalize those investments in ways that made sense for investors or make sense for investors, and to really create um, the financial experience uh, within a portfolio that makes sense for this different set of investors. And so that, and the different set is is not necessarily uh, big institutions. Um, what kind of investors? That's right. So, so mindful uh, institutions. So, so a lot of the work that that's been done by uh, VC Include and Include Ventures, uh, where I'm a member of the second cohort, has been the tip of the spear work. So, um, investors who have typically been in private markets include like these large pensions, endowments that have been allocating this way for a long time. Some of those investors have come to this awareness that investing for more inclusion and investing for more impact does not necessarily have to be concessionary. So they started to shift their portfolios that way. 
as new investors are starting to invest in the private markets, uh, that that's high net worth individuals, multifamily offices, smaller foundations that are realizing the opportunity in the private markets. Uh, there's a big shift in who makes up the demographics of, of private market investors. We would see kind of more of the same non-inclusive, uh, non-impactful kind of traditional investments in the private markets as we've seen in the past, if we're not mindful about creating tools for these new sets of investors uh, to, to access uh, inclusive and impactful investments. So that new, those new sets of investors are these high net worth individuals uh, down to some retail individuals that we want to get to at some point. That is foundations that are realizing the opportunity to, to amplify their mission through mission aligned investing that haven't necessarily uh, been there before. Um, and it's it, it's those kind of broader swath of investors. And so where are you at now in the uplifting capital uh, progression? Yeah, so, so the plan is to change the world, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> but you have to start somewhere. And so we're raising uh, our, our private equity fund in annual vintages. And so this year we're raising a $25 million fund. Um, and with that fund, we built in uh, these investment attributes and other attributes that both institutionalize the fund, but also uh, kind of make that fund such that it's easy to access. So we have things like no capital calls and no J curves in our fund. We have a configurable fund. And so we have nine impact themes people, planet, economy, and within those we have a, a nine sub-themes, but people can overweight to one theme or another depending on what their impact interest is. So we, we built out all of that. We built the fund at an institutional level with you know, the, the best fund admins, best accountants and lawyers that you can think of. Um, and we're going to grow this first fund at 25. The next fund will be at 100. And we plan to settle in at, at uh, in years going forward between 200 and 300 million. Each year? Each year, a year. We'll go out every year and that's what we'll raise. If you look at what's being raised in the in the private wealth space, and particularly by huge asset managers who have woken up to this opportunity, that is a drop in the bucket. And and I would posit that uh, I think people want to be invested this way. They they want to be invested for impact um, in the private wealth uh, space um, or or these smaller foundations. They want to be invested more inclusively. All they need is the tool, and and so we we've built that tool. Uh, we're going to raise this first fund. We plan to raise that 25 million from three to five institutions who will be design partners with us, who are true believers. And so uh, we have a couple of those institutions who are who are soft committed already to being a, a portion of that investor club. That's going to be those design partners. And so they'll also anchor our next two funds, those same, that same first group. Just drill down a little bit for me I, to, and, and maybe say, state it again, the new mechanism or the new structure that unlocks some of this wealth that may be sitting on the sidelines. Absolutely. Yeah. So so it's a diversified fund. So diversified across asset classes. And so if it, a lot of the talk um, in, in private wealth or among wealth managers or among people who are leading um, investments for smaller foundations is about the shift from the 60-40 to alternatives. And alternatives is talked about as this monolith. Like, you know, we're, we're going into alternatives. But really what that alternative sleeve needs to be is something that complements what was there before or, or, or is the right replacement for what's there before. So the first thing we've built is a portfolio sleeve that looks different from a single fund um, that you know you typically think of someone with a million dollars to invest. Maybe that gets them <laughs> into, into one of these kind of highly sought after funds. We've diversified across venture, private equity, uh, later stage uh, uh, private equity, like, like buyouts, real assets, and real estate. We've allocated that fund like you would for a family office investors who, who could target each of these asset classes separately. Um, so, so one piece of it is that diversification across asset classes, and that also gives us diversification across impact themes. 
the other piece of it is the ability to configure that fund. And so we built within the fund a mechanism for someone who says, I believe in impact, but I'm particularly interested in sustainable food and agriculture. Uh, we can overweight that, that initial fund uh, to focus specifically on that sustainable food and agriculture. And so that configuration of the fund, we've also balanced the fund between direct and, and fund investments. And so it's 50% funds and 50% directs. And we have our fees set so that the, the fee experience uh, is not what people typically have an aversion to when you talk about fund to funds. And so we talk about multiple managers with a single manager experience. We're targeting a two and 20 fee load uh, for, the, for the total fund. And so all of these things are attributes that help people access the investment. And then when you talk about um, what that investment experience is, we're targeting private equity returns, but looking to send people back cash um, uh, early on in the fund life cycle. So a lot of the investors who we're dealing with aren't used to these five, 10 uh, year holds. Lockups. Uh, yeah, lot, not only lockups, but like liquidity weights, yeah. right? And so using things like affordable housing, renewable energy infrastructure, later stage private equity, to have money show up things faster. that have cash flows things yeah. that have cash flows and have returns a lot quicker is just going to be more conducive to how many of the investors who are new to private markets in general not just impact are, are used to seeing investments you, you talked about you had a phrase um, um, um uh, the curiously uh, the quietly bothered the quietly bothered yeah what, tell us about who the quietly bothered are yeah so so i uh, uh i i spend most of my time in rooms where uh i'm preaching to the choir uh, around impact investing and the fact that impact investing is not concessionary and the fact that we need inclusion and we need impact um, in the public market uh, and for-profit ways to drive forward impact. But there's this uh, this group that's one ripple out from 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 the believers and this tip of the spear um, that is that I've learned about um, uh, in kind of making my way into impact sitting in a private wealth firm, which is the, this group of quietly bothered people who want to do something. Um, so it's not the people who have their hills dug in and who are actively resisting or, or denying climate change or actively uh, pushing to, to, to get conversation about race out of schools. These people are actually bothered by what they're seeing. They, they don't have uh, an access point to create change that meets them where they are in their lives. And so, so I, I think it's incumbent upon us, people who are change makers for a living, uh, to figure out solutions to access and, and create uh, uh, solutions for these quietly bothered folks that meet them where they are in lives. Uh, we, we uplifting capital call them micro acts of courage. We want to turn these desires um, and, and these kind of big sweeping changes into micro acts of courage that people can access in a day. Um, like, so how can I turn, if somebody is a, a, a high net worth individual who truly has a heart for change, but hasn't shifted their portfolio from traditional investments into something that, that is for impact or into a more inclusive manager, how can we make that easy? I, I think it would be easy to sit and bump our heads against a wall and talk about how they uh, need to change or how they aren't doing enough, uh, pointing outside of ourselves. But if we're not creating solutions for the people who e even want <laughs> to, to see change, then we're, we're missing the opportunity and the imperative. Like climate change is an all hands problem. Like reproductive rights are an all hands problem. Racial racial equity is an all hands problem. So if we're missing potential allies, uh, then then shame on us. So broaden the circle, bring the capital in, get it to the get it to the right folks, make it easy. That's right. At, at, at least for the folks who want to see change, right? The, so I think the, uh, the, there's this misperception that anyone who hasn't done anything yet is either uh, too lazy. Or, or entrenched in some point of view that that's against uh, folks who want to see change on all these different fronts. 
and there's the, there's there's a group that's one step inside of that um and so so for those folks yes uh, create the mechanisms and just uh, specifically where are you at now in in, in fundraising in, in 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 making deals absolutely so yeah, we launched the first our our, our fund one mid-year this year we'll be raising that uh hopefully through the end of this year so we want to we want to close that by the end of this year at least in terms of commitments and so we're talking to large ria firms and so we have one large ria who who will be committed to being one of those founding five we're raising that that five million dollar fund in checks of at least five million dollars each so 25 million dollar fund in, in, ch in chunks of five in, ch in chunks of five and so what we're going to do is one of the people who came in to talk to our our cohort for vc included Sintuigo, and she talked about the power of investor circles and so a, a, a lot of uh the, the folks that you'll see actually impact alpha <laughs> did an article about uh that are touching on this phenomenon where you have a, a fund that a new gp is raising uh, and you have a, an allocator who believes in the strategy, who believes in the manager, but says, I need to invest at least five million and it doesn't make sense for my due diligence process if I can't do that, but I can't be more than 20% of the fund. And so you have all these folks who are willing to write checks, but no one willing to write, write that first check. And so investor circles where you bring all this money in at the same time and you have a, a few courageous uh, allocators uh, write those checks and move forward together um, is one way to solve that problem. I think the the way that that approach has been deployed up to this point has been with pensions and endowments. But uh, my relationships are in the RIA space with both large wealth management firms and asset managers. And so for me, taking that same strategy and having that same conversation with these large RIAs is where I found success. And so we are uh, uh, we, we've started to, to deploy some money. We have an anchor investor who, who's invested enough for us to write a first few checks. Uh, we'll raise the rest of it in that way. And so. Uh, pretty far along in two of those conversations. But if there are three other firms out there, <laughs> uh, would, would love to talk to them. We have, we're, we're active in several of those conversations. And so I feel good about the fact that we're going to get there, but uh, we're going to have to close those conversations uh, before mid-year next year. Not to put you on the spot, but it did come up on stage there that uh, you tried to be in the first cohort last year and, now, and, and, and weren't accepted. And now you're making it into the second cohort of the Include Ventures. So uh, uh, you're dogged. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I wish I could say I didn't flinch. I was devastated not making it into the first cohort because I knew I knew not only the value of this program for me, but I believe in uh, what, what VC Include and the whole Include uh, franchise are doing. Like creating the, the, the biggest sort of hurdle that, that we meet, at least a stated hurdle uh, as emerging managers, emerging managers of color, is this perception that we're not institutional. Uh, perception that of what we're doing is not of institutional quality. So for Bahia and, and the rest of the team to meet that challenge directly and so we're going to give you the tools um, so that you're building something institutional. And we're also going to give you the confidence by bringing in the best of the best providers across every area that a fund would need to build uh, that you have something institutional. So we, a lot of us have actually built institutional uh, firms and funds and, and don't know it for sure because you're meeting objection that that seems to suggest that you're not institutional. So. We have not only the infrastructure, we have the confidence. Now we have the community of, of, of managers along with us. And so I knew this was right for me and there was no way that a single no was gonna, was gonna stop me from what I was doing. Terrific, well, thank you so much and good luck to you. Oh, thank you so much for your time. That's gonna do it for this Agents of Impact podcast. Check out my conversations with VC Includes, Bahia, Yasmin Robinson, and other members of this year's cohort. And read more at impactalpha.com. Big thanks to Toussaint, to our producer Isaac Silk, and to the whole team at Impact Alpha Investment News for a Sustainable Edge. 
And to all of you agents of impact, as always, thank you for all that you do.